Something different this way comes something Something different Something different Something different this way comes something Something different Something different I'm Heather McLeod and glad to have you with me on episode 2 of season 4 of Something Different This Way Comes and the theme this season is hope, action, and gathering in, which is suitable for fall and harvest season. My fall this year was a plentiful one. Our garden was generous. The frost was very late. And there's an embarrassment of riches in some ways in our house that I had to make time for in order to bring it all in and set it away so it'll feed us all winter long and spring and right through till next fall's harvest as best it can stretch. But it brings you to mind a community. This idea of, of each individual household growing all their own food and managing all by themselves is, I think, a fallacy. It's been romanticized, and it was a reality for many people across Canada who were brought here as settlers and then strung across each a half a mile away from the next farmstead because of the way they, they mapped this land and gave it away to settlers who were willing to transform it from the ecosystem and the, and the nurturing home of the people of this land that it had been since time immemorial into something that was better understood by that settler culture and by the colonialism that brought them there. It's not natural, though, trying to grow all your own food by yourself. It's the kind of work best done as a community. It's definitely more hands make for lighter work kind of stuff. Although there's a certain zen to sitting in my garden and weeding or digging or transplanting all by myself. The work is, is quicker to get to and much more fun when you do it as a group. But that's part of the gathering I'm dreaming of this fall, of transforming our days, our communities, so we have time to do really important work. So it becomes valued again in a way that we've drifted far, far from in the last century or two where food has become something. Well, I remember having dinner with friends, and I was talking about my garden, and they were not quite getting me. They were more horses people than veggie gardening people, and they started telling a story that was obviously a well-polished one because they just found it so hilarious and hard to wrap their head around. But visiting with a friend who heard a sound outside and went and looked and then ran and grabbed a shotgun to go and kill some critter that was eating their potatoes. They planted them in the spring, only about ready now to harvest them, potatoes. And my friends thought this was hilarious and weird, not because it was violent and extreme, but because it was violent and extreme for something as cheap and unvaluable as a potato. The punchline was, was how little you pay for a bag of potatoes that you'd be willing to go out and, you know, shoot at things in order to defend your own homegrown ones. And I, I think of that often as a kind of illustration that we've drifted away from the really important things and valuing them. And that colonialism, that idea of uh, there being a top-down wisdom to things, even that it was some sort of a natural law that some direct and profit, and most of us follow and uh, worry about being discarded, being found of no value, and losing all security and rights. 
you could argue in our current democracy that that's not the case, but you need not look far before you see every evidence that that insecurity continues with us, that willingness to discard some of us and not value every soul, not just human souls, too. All this life that we are a part of as being a miraculous gift worth cherishing and valuing. So, that's where I've been this fall. And here's the song I have for you today before I take you on a little tour of where I hope to take you over the course of the next few episodes this season. Community Building community Me plus you is we Community Building community Me plus you is free Community Building community You're known, you're loved Not perfect, but we're plenty Community So that's where we're heading. I want to start with um, talking about drawing people together. When I was in my early 20s and lived in Montreal, I uh, paid my rent and my groceries and my school fees by busking. Now, all of those were low. One of the reasons I went to school in Quebec was because the cost of university there was lower than in Ontario. And I wanted to speak French. I found a a room to rent in an apartment, so that made my rent cheaper. And we would cook together, and that made my food cheaper. And I knew how to cook. My mom had taught me so I could buy the basics and assemble them into something which was cheaper. And then my job was very uncertain. So I and my two bandmates would set up on Prince Arthur, which was, and still is, a pedestrian street between two busy roads that had a lot of patios where people would eat outside. And so if you could busk there, there was a lot of foot traffic. And you could gather a crowd of hundreds of people, and if they each gave you a quarter, you'd make a lot of money if you did a 20-minute set or two of them an hour. My bandmates were a clarinetist who would dance as he played and an upright bass player. I would kind of hop on his feet as he played. And so little me sitting there with my guitar, I was well-framed, and my big voice got enough attention that we, we made pretty good money. And the people that gathered around us, they weren't just an audience. We would make eye contact, we'd hear little compliments, people would put little business cards in there and get us other gigs, and you would see how people were responding to your music. It was so different from going viral. It was so different from this. When I play for you, when I sing for you, you're not here. I don't know how you're hearing this. And the best guess I have is occasionally people will respond directly, and I love that, and tell me, you know, what, what they felt, what they heard, how it was making them think. Other than that, it's just how many people downloaded it. I don't even know if you actually listened, really, or if it was kind of background noise while you're having an argument with your cat. I don't know. I don't know any of those things. But that sort of idea of the power of being in a place together is really what I want to meditate on this season, because I think it's powerful. I think it's important. 
And the thing I keep thinking back to, and I know I've brought it up before, but the story, the little piece of history that I discovered in Rutger Bregman's Utopia for Realists, which was the banking strike in Ireland from May to November of 1970, the year before I was born. All the banks closed. And the predictions were that the economy would just crisis, like fall to pieces. No borrowing, no lending, nowhere to cash your check. How could anything function? And yet, months in, there was no sign of distress in the economy at all. Things were chugging along just fine. Because people started basically printing their own money, writing checks to one another, and cashing them through a person who knew them and the other party well enough to judge whether or not this was, you know, worthy tender. Your barkeep. At that time in Ireland, everybody still spent time in their neighborhood pub. Not because every single person there they had everything in common with. Not because they hadn't found a single thing they disagreed with anybody on or everybody there was uh, their soulmate. No, it was just who lived in your neighborhood. A total cross-section of people who let forgiveness happen, who tolerated, who included and who knew one another. And when this problem happened, they just banded together and got things done because they could rely on one another. That, that sense of making time for community, giving place to community, and building a relationship with the place where you live and everybody in it. If I combine that with what I hear from Betty the conversation we had at my final episode of my second season, Betty Carpick, the, the artist, and the conversation I had last week or that you heard last week with another artist, the Anishinaabe singer-songwriter Cheyenne Havorka. They talk about we are surrounded by life that cherishes us, that nourishes us, that welcomes our interaction. And if we need teaching and have the courage and, and are sufficiently humble to go and hug a tree. There is a surprising amount of connection there. So if you take a deep breath and imagine building a committed relationship to the people in our neighborhoods and go beyond human people and include the soil, the water, the plants and mushrooms, the rodents and insects, the pets, the plenty. I feel like there's a cornucopia of community that we need to make time for and have the courage to include in our lives because it's complicated. It's not perfect. It's not polished or framed for TV. But if we include and care for one another in person, in proximity, I think powerful changes can happen quite quietly without having to tear down institutions or even overcome colonialism. <laughs> really, that's where I'm at. Let me know you better Let me know you better Gather in 
together Gathering Gather together Let me be known better Let me be known better Gather in Gather together Gather in Gather together The other adventure that I've harvested in this fall is a gathering that was sparked and called into action by Madison Van Dyck, who I didn't really know. I mean, I had met her because she served me pizza at the wonderful Both Hands Pizza. Um, She seemed a familiar face. I guess we turned up at the same places. She's like 25 years younger than me. So we have a generational gap between us. But the more I get to know her, the more I am amazed by what she does and how she does it and what she's gotten done. She's just very committed to this world, to our future. And she's full of the willingness to to give things a go, give people a chance. She's been a part of many, many things. I will share a link with some interviews and articles about her. But she put a call out through um, Citizens United to Save the Planet, a local organization, saying, who would like to help me organize something this fall? And I showed up. And um, what we started to organize is a gathering, intergenerational gathering, that asks people here in the city to focus on what our hopes are and figure out, therefore, based on what we agree we all would like to see, what we, what we could hope for, what we would like to do, our actions, and not go in with an agenda like so-and-so versus so-and-so who's going to win, but go in with open minds and hearts and a willingness to, to listen and propose and become more connected so that whatever we choose to do, we can do it that much more cohesively and collaboratively. So it's been really magical seeing who steps forward, how they think about things, who they introduce to the idea. The first circle has led to other circles that have led to other circles. It's also been very humbling because I, I'm really struck by how vulnerable so many people feel. I feel like they are at the thought of, of, of joining such a space, how worried they are that they won't really be safe, that somehow just their presence next to somebody else who might have a different opinion or be associated with a different organization or event could burden them and, and, and be a risk to them, this, this fear of association. Um, and also this, this vulnerability of of daring to say what you hope for instead of more comfortably sharing what we all agree is, is scary and worrisome. Um, I agree, it's hard work. But it makes me think of an article with a psychologist, Fred Bryant. Which I listen to on a podcast, I'll, I'll share a link so you can listen to. But 
it was a two-part podcast as he really dug into this notion that the psychologists used to believe that happiness was about a lack of fear, that once your your needs were met, your fears were, were, were settled, you would be happy. And what they've learned is that is not the case. No matter how secure we are, we are hardwired to go looking for fears. We, we hunt them out, things to worry about, especially social things. They really, really resonate with us, worrying about how we might be judged and, and where we stand when it comes to our, our social circles. And so the broader those social circles, the more you could potentially come to the attention of the entire unknown world, the more virulent those fears can be, the harder they are to manage. And part of being healthy is learning how to manage those very natural and strong fears. You really can't get rid of all of them, no matter how wealthy and secure and healthy and lucky you seem to be. So how do you find happiness? And happiness is something you have to hunt. And the way to do so is to slow down, take moments, to cherish the things you're glad for, and to trust the opportunities you have to connect with with people and with the world. It's something that takes practice. It literally is a practice. And there's examples of all kinds of ancient practices that help people figure that one out. It's not about what you own. It's about how you do what you do, how much heart you bring to it. So I think this gathering is going to be, as much as anything, an exercise in flexing our happiness muscles in daring to cherish one another and all the skills and, and potential we have to gift one another with. Be vulnerable to one another enough to say, wouldn't it be great? Or I think this is a good idea. Or I want this to be replaced by that. This insecurity by that generosity. This loss by that gain. To be looking beyond the fears towards the hopes. It's really interesting to spend time pretty much every day right now talking to people and, and trying to structure this weekend to make it do that, to make it be a safe place where we can be vulnerable and we can focus on what we hope for and therefore practice our capacity for happiness. I'm kind of, I'm kind of pretty pumped. And that will be where we go a lot this season. We're going to be visiting and talking to people that are taking part in this gathering. And you are very welcome to take part as well. It's in person. It's free. It's right here in Thunder Bay on November 25th and 26th. And it's also online and virtual. So people can take part virtually. Um, taking part means being a part of a, a larger gathering that then breaks out into smaller conversations like an accordion back and forth all together scattered out back together and the scattering out includes a lot of hands-on walking moving opportunities not just sit and talking opportunities because sometimes that's what you need to let things sink in and to let ideas bubble forth you need to move and apply what you're thinking of and look at what you're looking for. Let us find our shared hopes. 
Let us find our shared hopes Gathering Gather together Gathering Gather together Let's take a step and get her done Let's find that first step and get her done Act as one Actions one Act as one And actions one it was going along well, I thought. I mean, we had people interested in doing things and we were trying to figure out how to fit it all into to two days because climate action, what we hope for, I mean, my goodness, it's literally everything is impacted by and related to our climate and our way of connecting with one another and getting things done. So deciding how to fit it all into a weekend was a bit of a challenge. And getting people to agree to be part of something that was not quite like what they've ever done before is also difficult. Like I said, it's vulnerable. It asks for trust and faith in the other people assembled and the intention of the gathering and how it will be understood outside the gathering, which was humbling. But as we went along, I then was referred to a remarkable woman. Bekame Masade Olawola, who's recently moved to Thunder Bay. Another of the people who came forward, I'm getting to know through this, Kevin Brooks, introduced me to Bekame. And, and we had a few chats on the phone. I looked her up first online, and I'm like, whoa, powerhouse woman. This is a, a woman from Niger who, by the time she was 20, was a very successful entrepreneur. Very successful. She was also um, gained some real fame as a member of a reality TV show as an entrepreneur. And she'd also gained some huge impact internationally in helping communities work with corporations, such as the mining and oil extraction corporations that have had such a very often horrible, socially horrible impact on her home region in Niger, so that they change from the inside. And they are pressured to change successfully by their investors. A moving field, a changing field that she's been a mover and a shaker within and making it impactful and powerful. So what an incredible woman who also organizes through her business an international conference every year and has just recently released an amazing documentary. Really, lots and lots of things that she could teach and share and lead in. So when I reached out to her, I had a vision of just us all listening and, and, and hearing what she had to say. And she said, whoa, 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 what are you trying to do here? I'm not going to commit to be a part of something until it's clear to me what the goals are and how you're going to track your progress towards achieving those goals coming out of this event. Well, that was a lot more concrete than anything I'd gotten to so far. Madison and I had kind of been more at the point of let's just bring everybody together and nourish them and connect them and we'll all be stronger for our time together. But Bekame was like, uh-uh-uh. Do not waste our time with a sit and talk fest. There's too much that needs to be done. Decide what you can do in this time together and make sure things get done. 
So we had a whole reboot. And uh, we do have a strategy now not to go in saying this is what must get done, but to go in saying let us decide what must get done and make that be the goal of the weekend. So a huge shout out to Becca May for lighting that fire and and upping the game in that way. And I'm still waiting to hear if she can fit us into a very busy life on that weekend, be a part of that conversation in person, but she's already shaped it. She already has. Another person who's coming that I'm super excited about is an old friend of mine, Richard Wong. We met in a junior high school when we both went to uh, Montreal for an exchange to practice our French. And then I went to the same high school later on and I have not been in touch for over a decade. And then we connected and had a chat, kids same age, you know. He still lives in the old neighborhood in Toronto. But the work he's doing now came to my mind as Madison pulled me into this because he's a lawyer. And for the last 15 years or more, he's become one of the leaders, I'd say, in Canada in helping corporations and government figure out how to do things that have not been done before when it comes to renewable energy, major developments, trying to change the rules of the game and procedures and the agreements and set precedents as a lawyer from from the top, like informing and and supporting the leaders that are, are moving the Titanic from the wheelhouse. So I contacted Richard and said, uh, Richard, we're doing this thing, and I don't really know who to talk to about major infrastructure. Do you know of anybody that I should talk to here in Thunder Bay? And to make a long story short, he said, well, I'd be happy to be part of a conversation like that. And he's coming. And I can't wait to see him. It's been ages and meet and get to meet Arno and the kids and, and have a little bit of social time with him. But mostly, I'm so excited to hear what he hears when we start bringing forward our ideas of what kinds of changes we would like to see here that would get us to a, a more secure, a more resilient, a more connected, a healthier place. And what tips and direction he has. Because every time I've chatted with him, I've just like up my game another level in, in what to expect and what to bring to those opportunities so that you can make the most of them. Community Building community Community Building community The other element that that keeps coming up in this conversation about how to change the world is, is, is on the other side of those big projects, the ones that are communal assets of tax dollars or elected officials or, you know, profitable corporations are necessary to realize, probably, to the impact of the quiet things, the huge impact of what makes our day-to-day, what makes our society, what makes our norms, And how can we shift and change those? Like making time to build community and and deepen our relationships with one another. Learning how to to garden, how to upcycle, how to repair things, to cook, 
to, to learn and, and teach more. We all have things we can teach. And we all have things worth learning more about. And, and giving those opportunities something that we as a community share, I think that would be a return to stronger times in many ways. I think about poorer eras when there was less stuff and houses were smaller and families were bigger and less people were without shelter or food because we shared differently and standards were different. So if you went to town to study somewhere, you might share a bed with somebody. You might be invited to a home where you'd have a plate at their table to eat and literally share a bed with somebody or they'd have a, several beds in a bedroom and everybody would be you know, going to bed at the same time because there's no light after the sun goes down. And yet nobody was outside sleeping on the street. And there were no soup kitchens yet, not often, not till the, the dirty 30s, the 1930s. I keep circling back to colonialism. In most cultures, in most parts of the land, people figured out ways to live sustainably with their home, with the resources they had to feed one another, to have shelter, to have time to play and really savor your life. In colonialism, um, that was never a goal. It's about uh, more like a game of winners and losers and tops and, and bottoms that leads to over-exploitation of your home so it can no longer sustain the people there. And then a willingness to go and steal from others in order to meet those basic needs or just win. And when you go to another place where they have things, you're not there to make friends and trade. I mean, colonials made slaves and played unfair games to turn the people whose land it was into insecure dependents instead of the hosts of this party. And I feel like that idea of human beings being disposable and land being exploitable and, and this whole short-term thinking, you know, if I can win this season, if I can win this quarter, if I can, as opposed to whatever I do now will, will resonate through generations, therefore I must do it with due caution and care. Um, I think it's, it's gone as far as it can go. And part of our needing to rebalance our world and restore our relationship with it to one that is sustainable and, and as generous as nature is generous to us means naming colonialism and letting go of it and saying everybody's precious. Everybody needs a, a plate, a, a seat at the table, and a spot in a bed somewhere. And everybody should have a voice in these decisions that affect all of us. And if you need healing, we need to provide healing. If you are stuck in a colonial world, in one of the roles that is higher than other people's roles, where the assumption is that, that you are necessary in order for them to, to act, the people that you are bossing around or managing or C-suiting or whatever, they're missing something you have, and therefore your job is to provide for them that guidance, that insight, that leadership. 
That's what hierarchy kind of has at its heart. True collaborative social systems are much messier. Uh, you know, I I can speak with authority on this topic, but I'm going to acquiesce to your authority on another sort of delegation of, of roles and responsibilities. And they're almost hard for us to imagine because they're so far from what we have right now. But we can imagine them. And if you do imagine them, it's something like the family you love to visit because you are so welcome there. They can always accommodate you. You are so known in that space. And everybody is loved and included and accommodated. Not perfect, but there's plenty to go around. I keep hoping for us to get there. And I know our hardworking brains make this hard, that kind of a profound change, because it's not what we're observing around us, so it doesn't feel safe at all to bet on something so different from, from the patterns we see in, in the social interchanges we, we, we observe, which are, are mostly, you know, online and manufactured stories. We spend a lot more time ingesting created stories than we are observing the actual world and people around us. So that's one thing. But also, our minds are so busy, they could not do all that they do for us if it were not for habits. So they're very defensive of their habits. And the main weapon they use to shut us down when we start considering changing habits is emotions. Um, They make us fear. And they also play with our sense of time and make it really hard to see past the short term, right? So we say things like, the government will never change. Corporations will never change. That leader will never change. And what we're doing is we're telling ourselves that it would be foolish (laughs) that it is somehow dangerous and betting on the losing team to push for a necessary change because it won't happen ever. When what in fact we mean it won't happen easily, it won't happen fast, we can't predict exactly how it will happen or even if for sure it will happen, which are all perhaps true, but no reason not to do it anyways, logically. It's our overwhelmed minds that are trying to shut down that extra job we're giving it of let's change up what you expect and what you do. So the final thing that I think also feeds into this, this fear, this reluctance, this wariness, this fatigue and um, grief is that we are um, saturated with commercialism. So colonialism's one thing. Right? Colonialism teaches us that we are disposable. We're not precious. That our place and anything we think gives us security is not, in fact, secure. And if we if we step wrong, we could lose everything, including, you know, respect and love and and those essential things. But it's also commercialism and commercials. Advertising has figured out is is how to create a need, quote unquote, by triggering a fear of something we didn't know previously how to fear, especially those social fears. So being surrounded by commercial messaging, I think, has also made us that much more concerned and worried and anxious and reluctant to bet on something as uncomfortable and unfamiliar as hope. You know what? 
we might have these hidden messages that are really strongly influencing us to feel insecure and insignificant and disconnected. But in fact, in fact, we have enormous rights as employees or employers, as family members, as friends, as citizens and voters. We can impact and shape and be heard and be respected quite profoundly. I mean, if we're the only one saying something, it might be water against a stone, but water against a stone eventually created the Grand Canyon. And um, if instead you're going to hold that water in, it's only you who gets eroded. Let us find our shared hopes Let us find our shared hopes Gather in Gather together Gather in Gather together We'll choose that first step And we'll get her done Let's choose our first step, then we'll get her done. Act is one. Action's one. Act is one. And then our action's one. So that's my ramble of a way to tell you which way we're going this season. We're heading for hope and action. And we're hoping for some conversations with people I find inspiring. As they too think about what do we want to do here in northwestern Ontario? How do we want to connect differently and take care of one another more effectively so that together we can do what we agree is the right thing to do. It might be a first step towards a goal we agree we'd like to meet. Social action is a climate action. Political action is a climate action. Raising your voice, clarifying your expectations, supporting those expectations, holding people accountable to the promises they make that got them the positions they have. All this is part of conversation, of getting to know each other and accommodating our differences and focusing instead on our shared goals and needs and place. That's where we're going on Something Different This Way Comes this season. Let me give you the whole song. In my froggy, had a cold for the last two weeks, alto voice. Let me know you better Let me know you better Gather in Gather together 
gathering, gather together. Let me be known better. Let me be known better. Gathering, gather together. Gathering, gather together. Community, building community. Me plus you is we community. Gathering community. You are known and you are loved. We're not perfect, but we're plenty. Community, community, community. Building community. Let us find our shared hopes. Let us find our shared hopes. Gathering, gather together. Gathering, gather together. We'll take. A step and get her done. <laughs> Let's take that first step and get her done. Act is one, and action's one. Act is one, gets us actions one. Cause we're Building community. You are known and you are loved. Not perfect, but plenty. Building community. Not perfect, but plenty. Community. Community. One plus one is we. Building community. Kind of lazy hanging, I know. My name's Heather McLeod, and this is all me. I write it, I compose it, I record it, I edit it. I write the little blurb you found online. And you can find more at www.somethingdifferentthiswaycomes. You can join my weekly email there too, newsletter. You can donate to the cost of doing this, which is a great vote of support, much appreciated. You can come back next week for an interview and another song and a little another serving of hope. Something different, this way comes something. Something different, something different. Something different, this way comes something. 
Something different, something different.